Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. Have you ever felt alone? While Abram is not entirely alone, he has been stripped of much. And in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to him, strengthens his faith, gives him encouragement, reveals more of his plan, and ultimately makes a covenant with him. So Genesis 15 reveals God's desire to commune with man. In this instance, it shows what is remarkable. First, that God would ever think to commune with man at all. Secondly, that he would comfort man. And thirdly, that he would communicate protection and provision to him. That's how the chapter begins. And it continues with more encouragement as we go on. So in verse 1, Abram is lying awake one night. We know that because God shows him the stars later in the chapter. And he comes to him with a word of fear not. Now, we don't know exactly what it is that Abram is afraid of. It may relate to the previous chapter. And he's feeling like there may be a retaliation by those that he went out and defeated. Or perhaps he is having second thoughts after having left his home in Ur of the Chaldees and all the challenges that he has faced along the way. Whatever the case, God comes with a word for him to encourage him to keep going on. In fact, in this word, God is essentially saying, I am your protection, I'm your shield, and I am your provision. I am your exceeding great reward. But Abram is human. And so in verses 2 and 3, he speaks to God, really in light of the fact that God had said that a nation would come from him. He is saying, I don't have an heir. All I have is this hired servant in my house. And so in verses 4 through 6, God communicates to Abram the fact that this is not your heir, but you will have an heir, one from your own bowels. And he takes him outside to show him the stars and says that your descendants, Abram, will be as numerous as the stars. Now this, this is hugely encouraging. God is saying, look, I have a plan, Abram. Don't worry. Don't panic. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars you see in the sky. What an encouragement. And in verse 6 then, we're told that Abram believes God. Now some think this is his conversion. I have already indicated that I believe that happens earlier when he is called out of Ur of the Chaldees. But here you see the ground of his standing before God. He has established righteousness before God by faith alone. This of course becomes part of Paul's argument in Romans chapter 4, using Abraham as the example of true justifying faith. But God had not only indicated the need of an heir, he also had indicated that he was giving him the land. And that doesn't seem to be coming to fruition either. And so in verses 7 and 8, God restates that this is part of the plan. And Abram's really saying, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Help me to understand what's about to take place. What you're saying you're going to do. So how does God reassure Abram that he is going to do what he said he would do? Well, verses 9 and 10 give this ancient practice in which parties would reassure one another that they would uphold their word. So they didn't have signatures and things like that that we might sign and in the presence of witnesses with attorneys and so on. But they had this and they would take animals divide them in half, lay them against one another and walk up through the middle of them and then embrace or 
interact in some way at the other side, really saying, so be to me, like these animals, if I don't do what I've said I will do. And so God is saying to Abram, gather the animals and let's do this so I can show you I really mean what I've said and I will do what I have promised. Abram does what he's meant to do. And verses 11 through 16, while he's waiting on God, fowls of the air are coming trying to feast upon the dead animals and while he's waiting, he, he falls asleep. And, and God then comes and reveals two things to him. First, he reveals that his descendants are going to be enslaved. And then he reveals that he's going to bring them, after they're enslaved for 400 years, back into the land. And so, with God's plan revealed to Abram, he awakens to see something unusual. First of all, God is making this covenant. This is proceeding. But it's proceeding in a very strange way. God is moving through the midst of the creatures without Abram by his side, indicating to Abram that the fulfillment of the covenant is all on God. It's a unilateral covenant. It's all on the shoulders of God. And Abram has no part. He doesn't have to walk up and vow to do something. He's not going through the middle to say, I'll be faithful, God. I'll make sure I hold up my end of the bargain. No. No, instead God is showing to Abram that all that he has promised is not dependent on Abram at all. This is going to happen. God has said it and he is going through the midst of the animals saying to Abram, you can trust me. I will be destroyed if I don't uphold my word. What a vision. What an image of encouragement to Abram. And so we come to application and first of all we see from verse 1, not only is God giving blessings to men, but he is the blessing. God is the reward of life. Now we forget this. and We live our lives sometimes as if, if we don't have all the blessings, the, the stuff, the things, then somehow we're missing out. If we have God, we have the reward of life. And if only our faith could rise and truly understand that, we would be much more content. Secondly, we learn from this chapter the place of holy arguments before God. Abram comes before God with a question, what wilt thou give me? He's inquiring, he's pressing, and really in the midst of his bewilderment, he's pushing God to come and comfort him in some way. So while we must not fall into the trap of irreverence, or in some way arguing against God in some unholy fashion. Yet there is a place for a holy argument, and we unburden ourselves. We're encouraged to really come honestly before God and learn from Abram in this way. Thirdly, whether you take the view that Abram was converted in Ur of the Chaldees, or he's converted here in this chapter, I want you to note that he is converted before he is later circumcised in chapter 17. So, just keep that in mind. Religious rites don't save. And that's the point. Abram is converted, whether it's Ur of the Chaldees or here, he is converted before he is circumcised. And you children, if you've been baptized, don't rest upon the baptism as an indication that you're saved. You personally must seek God. Religious rites, whether baptism or the Lord's Supper, they do not save. They only indicate the blessings promised to those who do truly believe. Fourthly, the language of verse 12 is somewhat mysterious. Clearly, Abram has been up all night 
And then all through the day, he's been gathering these animals and preparing them as God required. And he's exhausted, and so he falls asleep. But why the horror of great darkness? It's hard to say for sure, but it seems to be tied into the message that God is about to reveal to him concerning his descendants. They're going to be enslaved. That's not a pleasant experience, and it's not something he would want to have heard. And so he's entering into this darkness of what his descendants will experience. But what it reminds us of is the darkness that came upon Christ upon the cross. He experienced this horror of great darkness that came over him. But what it also shows us is God has a right to bring periods of darkness into our lives. And we do experience dark times. However, it will never be as dark as that darkness that came upon the soul of Christ when he endured our hell. So we we can be thankful for that. Fifthly, God bears long with the ungodly, and so should we. We are told here that the Amorites, who stand in the way of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abram and to his descendants, they're going to be allowed to continue for hundreds of years. And so we should just take that to heart. How kind, how patient, how long-suffering God is toward the ungodly, and we should endeavor to have the same spirit. Sixthly, and finally, do you struggle with doubts? This chapter, this is the covenant of grace right here. This is the revelation of a covenant that is unilateral, in which all the requirements of it are upon the shoulders of God alone. He is going to fulfill everything necessary to bring this to pass. And this is salvation, my friends. This is salvation. Children, It doesn't depend on your good behavior. Salvation is in the hands of God to give as a gift. All you have to do is believe. And so, in whatever your condition, if you have yet to believe, or you're a struggling believer, in that you you have all these doubts and lack of assurance, get your mind on this passage. See how God so vividly displays to Abram, this is all on me, and rest today in the knowledge that Christ and his work is sufficient.